the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program.com. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickersons. <laughs> The Bickersons have retired. As usual, Mrs. Bickerson tosses restlessly while her husband, John Insomniac Extraordinary, provides this audible testimony of his constant wakefulness. Let's listen. Oh, for the love of heaven, what is he doing? John! 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 Hmm? What's the matter with you? Hmm? You are making the most frightful noises. What's the matter? What's the matter, Blanche? Are you in pain? I've got a terrible headache. Haven't slept a wink. You've been sleeping like a felled ox. Shh. Head aches. You wouldn't have such a headache if you didn't make so many cocktails before dinner. Why do you do that, John? Always do it. Why? No good to eat on an empty stomach. Put out the lights, Blanche. The lights are out. How would you know anyway with that sleep shade on? Well, something's flashing in my head. Ow! Take an aspirin. Okay. Hmm, feel better already. How can you chew those things like that? Wash it down with something. All right. Ah. John Bickerson, you washed it down with bourbon. You lied to me. You got the lights on. Yes, I'm going to keep them on. Sit up. I want to talk to you. Please, Blanche, I can't sit up. My head will fall off. Why do you always have to talk in the middle of the night? When else can I talk to you? You come home for dinner and bury your head in the paper. Never a word out of you. And you tell me you've got to go to bed early because you have insomnia. Well, I have. It takes me hours to fall asleep. It took you all of 30 seconds tonight. Well, this was a good night. Good night. John. John! Hmm? I went over to see the Marvin's new baby this afternoon. It's a beautiful child. Do you know their first one is over a year old? I hope so. He's been walking since he was eight months. He must be awful tired. I am too. Children are such a blessing. Hmm. It's wonderful to watch them grow up. You'd be surprised how many childless couples are adopting children. I'd better have another aspirin. Boy, have I got a headache. Mm. John? Hmm? Don't you miss the patter of tiny feet around the house? No, I don't, Blanche. Children are wonderful, all right, but 
You have to be able to afford them. All this talk of adopting. What the devil is that? What's what? That. Put the lights on. John. Blanche, don't tell me that you went out and... It's and only a dog, silly. A dog? What do we need dogs for? I got for? a little puppy. Where's the aspirin? What did you get a dog for? Now don't get hysterical. Where is the little beast? I can hear it, but I can't see it. He's right there, in the bureau. I've got him in your shirt drawer. You put him in there with my shirt? He won't suffocate. The drawer's open. Blanche, you know I'm allergic to dog hair. It gives me sinus trouble. Where's the aspirin? You are just a big hypochondriac. You imagine those allergies like you do your insomnia. I tell you, I'm allergic to dogs. They make me... make me... Get rid of that thing. He'll whine all night and keep me awake. The man said he'll keep quiet if you give him one of those worm pills. Well, where are they? On the night table by your bed. How do you give a dog... Where? They're on the night table by your bed. There's nothing here except the aspirins. The aspirins are in the medicine cabinet. How can they be in the... Blanche, what have I been eating? No wonder my headache won't go away. Why do you do these things to me? Send for a doctor. Don't carry on so. If they're good for a dog, they won't hurt you. Go to sleep. Go to sleep, she tells me. Here I am dying from dog poisoning. My, my head is splitting. She knows I'm allergic to dogs, hides the aspirin, and makes... I don't know. Get up so early, never get another wink of sleep as as long as... John. John. Hmm? tight. Thanks. I can see how much sleep I'm going to get tonight. We'll have to get rid of the puppy. Now you're talking. I want you to take him down to the dog pound. Okay, I'll do it on my way to work. You go in the opposite direction. Well, I'll go out of my way. You say it, but you won't do it. You better take him now. What? Go on, get up, take the puppy to the dog pound. Blanche, are you out of your mind? It's after two in the morning. They're open all night. Go on, get up and take him. Well, I've never heard of such a thing. You know I went to bed with a splitting headache and had to take a dozen worm pills to fall asleep. You'd take the dog to the pound quick enough if Gloria Gooseby asked you to. How do you always manage to work the conversation around a Gloria Gooseby? Well, if you wouldn't shout so much, maybe the puppy would be able to sleep. Ah, what's the use? Good night. I thought it would be nice to have a little dog, especially when we move into our new apartment. Still have a year to go on this one. Our lease expired on Friday. I renewed it yesterday. I canceled it this morning. Amos is raffling off the apartment for me. That's a good idea. Amos is what? Amos sold 500 tickets at $2 a piece, and the winner moves into our apartment tomorrow. Oh, Blanche, no. I... I don't believe it. We'll be on the street. Amos said he'll find us a new place in a jiffy. Jiffy? Haven't you heard there's a housing shortage? Where would he find a place? Well, I bought a ticket myself. It's a wonderful chance. Lovely three-room apartment, large kitchen, big closets. It's worth $2, and we might get it. Get it? We've got it now. I know. But even if we didn't win, we get the $1,000 Amos collected for the rest of the tickets. Look, Blanche, I gave the landlord a $1,200 bonus to renew the lease. So now I'm out $200 and I've got no place to live. Sounds like pretty poor business to me. Why do you make such deals? Now look, Blanche... The trouble with you, John, is that you are too conservative. Look, Blanche... If you'd pick up some of the deals that Amos has, we might be able to live as nicely as he does. Blanche... He's been living at the Biltmore Hotel for a year. He sleeps on a billiard table. Look out. Where, where's my slippers? What are you going to do? Let me get to that phone. I'll show... Ow! Ooh! Ooh!
Put on the lights. The lights are on. Open your eyes. Oh, here's here's the phone. I know it's going to ring, and I want to be ready when it does. Hello? Excuse me. Drop dead. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That wasn't Amos. I'll get it, I'll get it. Amos. Hi, Jacko. What are you doing up this time of night? Packing, Amos. We're moving, haven't you heard? Why aren't you going to invite me in? I'd like to look the place over. You mean... Yep, I won the raffle. Darndest luck I ever saw. Who drew the ticket, Amos? Fair and square. I wouldn't take a chance having some phony draw it, so I drew it myself. What a coincidence. Get out of here. What's the matter with you, Jacko? You got a thousand dollars coming, and if you're worried about a place to live, I'll rent you the garage. You haven't got a car anymore, you know. Get out of here before I hit you with a cleaver. Okay, Jacko. You don't have to get sore. You better give the money back to people you sold tickets to, or you'll have a lot of explaining to do. Not me, brother. You'll have to do the explaining. I'll tell them you won. Good night, Jacko. That guy will wind up on a chain gang as sure as... Was it Amos who won? I did. Now at last I can go to sleep in my own bed without worrying. No, you can't, dear. The dog's in there. But, oh, nuts. I'll sleep in the garage. Good night, John. everybody this is the Tom Sumner program and uh, we're going to talk about something this is kind of a new subject for me um, that has to do with post-stroke spasticity and that's a new phrase for me we're going to find out what that is and uh, a lot more from uh, my guest this hour who is a specialist in physical medicine and rehabilitation who focuses on uh, Orthopedic Electrodiagnostics and Comprehensive Spasticity Management. In fact, he um, created a uh, uh, an adult uh, spasticity clinic at Tufts Medical Center in Boston. He's, uh, for several years in a row, been considered one of Boston Magazine's top doctors. And uh, his name is Dr. Zachary Bohart. He joins me by phone. Um, Zach, good morning. Welcome to the show. 
Thank you, Tom. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You know, I was reading a little bit about uh, post-stroke um, spasticity, and I, I, I couldn't help wondering. It almost sounded as if the spasticity uh, characteristics were separate from the stroke. Uh, is, is spasticity something that is always post-stroke? That's a great question. So spasticity can result uh, from stroke, uh, but really any type of injury to the brain or the spinal cord. So multiple sclerosis can do it, strokes can do it, uh, spinal cord injuries can do it, cerebral palsy uh, as well. And it frequently, but not always, develops uh, after someone has a stroke. Uh, not always. It can be uh, shortly thereafter or it can develop uh, a, a while after as well, but it is a frequent complication of a stroke. Absolutely. And, and again, when I was reading about, uh, about spasticity and, and the description of it, it almost sounds like something that we see very typically with strokes in, in that it mostly affects limbs. And, and we think of the loss of the use of an arm or a leg, perhaps both on one side, um, in the wake of a stroke, um, is is spasticity mm-hmm. the same thing that that causes the inability to use those things, or is that something else? And and spasticity is then heaped onto it. Well, that's really a great question, and that's what makes treating spasticity such an interest and a joy for me. Uh, So there's really a couple of things going on. When someone has a stroke, uh, they can be obviously paralyzed uh, on that side of the body, um, but then spasticity then develops at a later time. Uh, So there's weakness uh, from the stroke, which we call poor motor control, but then there's also involuntary contraction uh, and movement of of really any of the muscles uh, on that affected side as well. So there's really kind of two competing things going on, and it's our job uh, as physiatrists and neurologists who special in movement disorders to try to uh, treat both of those. Where did the term spasticity come from? And I know that's kind of an off-the-wall question, but it it sort of implies something tremor-like. Is it? Yes, it is. Well, it can be. So there's actually multiple <laughs> different types now, of spasticity. Zach, now you sound like now you sound like an economist. Well, it can be. You know, on one <laughs> hand, on the other hand, exactly. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, well, you know, it, it's because it's, it's such a complex. Uh, it's such a complex condition that that's really what it is. Uh, so it it can present itself as a tremor. So kind of a uh, uh, waxing and waning kind of rhythmic uh, thing. Um, it can be something that's always there. And the typical posture that we see that probably most of your listeners and most of us have seen in our lives is someone's had a stroke and their elbow is bent, uh, their wrist is bent, and their fingers are clasped. And it can be that way, you know, 24-7. That's the most common type of spasticity, but it can also present with uh, legs uh, jumping up and down involuntarily, um, the arm bending uh, when someone is walking uh, or trying to use it. Uh, it can really present in, in multiple different ways, and that's why that's why it's so important to treat, and that's why it's so interesting to treat, because there's so many different types of spasticity. More about spasticity with Dr. Zachary Bohart, straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More about spasticity with Dr. Zachary Bohart, straight ahead. For someone who um, has had a stroke, there is almost always uh, uh, some post-stroke therapy in in an effort to get as much mobility and motion back as possible. Sure. Is that when spasticity is most frequently observed and diagnosed, or should uh, caregivers and family members and people close to a stroke victim be on the lookout after they return home? All of the above, really. So normally <laughs> after somebody has a stroke, <laughs> normally after, after somebody has a stroke, uh, they'll you know, be in the hospital uh, for several days, and then depending on their level of functioning and their, and their family support, uh, they'll either go to a rehab hospital uh, or go home uh, and get out, outpatient or in-home occupational physical therapy. And it's usually in that time period uh, where spasticity is first detected by a healthcare provider. Um, but again, it can develop much later on as well. But it tends to develop uh, usually within several months after the stroke when they're really getting a lot of intensive therapy because that's really where a lot of healing occurs. Is it pretty tough to recognize it for um, for non-professionals? Um, because it, it seems to me like it could be mistaken for other things like... Uh, in in the case of joints locking up, um, arthritis comes to mind. Right. So arthritis is a condition of the joints, uh, and there's actually a big crossover, and this is why I also work in an orthopedic practice, because there's a big crossover uh, between uh, neurology and orthopedics with regards to spasticity. So a lot of patients will... You know, their, their, their elbow will bend, their wrist will bend, their fingers will bend, their, their ankle uh, will push down. Uh, might be difficult to pull their knee out or to bend their knee. But then after a while, if it remains untreated, and this can really happen quite quickly, and this is why we want to treat it early and treat it well, because uh, prevention, as they say, is always the best medicine. Uh, after a while, the joint uh, itself, so the elbow joint, the wrist joint, the finger joints, the knee joints, the ankle joints, can get contracted and stuck in that position. And it's our job as, as neurologists and physiatrists and therapists to really prevent that from happening. And that's really where uh, kind of the interface between neurology and orthopedics is. Is that something that all stroke victims should uh, be concerned about in, in discussing with their various health care providers? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the stroke victims, but also uh, their family members and their sure. caregivers and their friends, absolutely. And, you know, the, a, a good place to go would be to talk to your primary care doctor, uh, but also, if you've had a stroke, you've most likely been treated by a neurologist or a physiatrist as well. So definitely make an appointment. You know, I, I always like to say that I, I'd rather see somebody who doesn't need treatment than to see somebody who needs treatment, but way too late. Uh, so it's always important to bring these things up earlier uh, rather than later. And then also go to go to the website, don'ttakespasticity.com. That is really an excellent resources, resource to really try to uh, uh, figure out if this is what's affecting you and where to go as well. 
is spasticity something that um, it can can be predicted in some patients? Are there are there causations? Is there a reason why some stroke victims uh, uh, have this condition develop uh, and some do not? Did you go to medical school? Because that, that's a great question. Uh, so it, it tends to happen more in patients who have more severe and disabling strokes. Uh, patients who have a what we would call a milder stroke, somebody who still has good functional use of the arm or the leg, uh, they tend to develop it less. And, and, and why is that? Because muscles and all of us need to move. Uh, muscles need movement, muscles need to be stretched, joints need to be stretched, and if you've had a stroke and you're really more or less paralyzed, completely paralyzed on that side of the body, then the muscles and the joints aren't being stretched, and that can certainly worsen spasticity. Does that mean that spasticity uh, occurs as a result of, um, or or at least uh, brought on by um, atrophy to some degree? It's not really atrophy. It's really more loss of use of the limb. Uh, and then when you when you have a stroke, uh, it's believed that uh, abnormal signals are sent to the arm and the leg, forcing it into this abnormal posture. Uh, but then after a while, certainly uh, the muscles will atrophy. Uh, not not really because of the spasticity, but more because of the weakness from the stroke. And, and well, you're simply not using that arm or that leg. That's that's what I was thinking. Is was there a correlation between the atrophy, which is likely to occur from not using a limb or more limbs, and and um, and and joints locking up and and uh, um, reacting to atrophy? Is it is it a uh, condition of extended uh, non-use? Right, exactly. Atrophy, yeah, very good. Atrophy is very much a result of non-use, and spasticity uh, kind of goes along with that as well. It's not really cause and effect, but it's it's all in the same ballpark. But there, but there is at least a little bit of uh, correlation. So the therapy sure. designed to keep those limbs moving, even if involuntarily. Um, you know, through manipulation and so on, is is actually helping stave off a condition like spasticity. Sure, absolutely. And the reason why it's so important to get occupational physical therapy after a stroke uh, as soon as you can is to try to work on rewiring the body as much as you can to get as much recovery uh, as you can. Uh, and then also to... Uh, get proper bracing, proper assistive devices to 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 walk uh, or to sit or to transfer if needed, and also to uh, more early on treat spasticity and and give it the treatment that it's needed. Absolutely, these these things are are pivotal and really the standard of care for post stroke care. And and what are some of the things, uh, the treatments um, for spasticity? Uh, the treatment of spasticity is really a multifactorial treatment, and there's there's multiple different types of treatment for it, and it's important to really bring everything we have uh, to treat it well. 
otherwise, it, it really the joints can really get contracted, and it can become very difficult to treat if we if we recognize it too late. So some of these treatments uh, range from uh, clearly, as I said, just occupational therapy and physical therapy. Uh, neurologic occupational physical therapists are specifically trained in in treating post-stroke patients and spasticity. Up and then there's also some oral medications uh, that can help minimally. There's also uh, injections as well, uh, and uh, and some other surgical procedures too. And then once uh, if these work, great. If it doesn't, then sometimes I refer patients also to an orthopedic surgeon if a joint uh, if a joint is is contracted and stuck in a, in, in a particular position. I'll refer them to either a foot and ankle surgeon or a hand surgeon. So it really, you know, the treatment really runs the gamut of. Uh, you know, starting early with therapy, uh, then uh, going through oral medications and injections uh, up to surgery. And it's really tailored to, to the patient's individual needs, which is why it's so important to see an expert. Is it painful? Spasticity can be painful, absolutely. Spasticity can be very painful. Not I, always, but it can be. Um, well, I would think. I, I have... Um Occasionally, uh, I, I get some muscle cramps, almost like arth- arthritis in my my hand, and and my fingers will lock up a little bit. It usually passes after a few minutes, but but it hurts a little bit when they start to cramp, and and that's why I sure. wonder if if when those joints lock up, if if there's some pain associated with that. One of the other things that I that I'm curious about, um, Zach, is if the um, once spasticity begins to occur, do treatments hold it in place, or can spasticity be reversed? It's more holding it in place and stopping it from getting worse. And it, it also depends on the disease. So certain diseases have kind of a waxing and waning presentation of spastic, so it can get worse sometimes and better at other times. Those are diseases that are uh, a progressive neuro, uh, neurologic diseases such as multiple sclerosis. But a patient, but but a, a condition such as a stroke, where a patient has a neurologic incident at one specific time in history, the spasticity tends to stay, not always, but tends to stay pretty static. Uh, and I, I liken it to an inexorable force or, or a tsunami of sorts. And it's our job as experts in treating this to try to keep it at bay as much as possible. When someone's had a stroke um, or, or suspects that they're having a stroke, um, how important is getting immediate care to not only minimizing the effects of the stroke, but, but also staving off any possible onset of spasticity? It is absolutely and utterly crucial. Uh, if, if you suspect uh, that you're having a stroke, uh, then you need to go to an emergency room immediately. Uh, time is brain, as we say, and the longer the brain is deprived of blood flow and oxygen, uh, the worse the effects of the stroke. So if, if, if anybody listening uh, suspects that, that, that he or she is having a stroke, uh, go to an emergency room immediately. Is there a time clock on that i mean it, it it's it's kind of a ticking time bomb but how, how much time does someone have 
to get the uh, the to get treatment to have the most positive outcome. Uh, there there is a a time frame for certain types of medications to be administered. Uh, during an acute stroke, absolutely. Um, and that would be really a question that a patient can have for their neurologist uh, or even their primary care doctor, but really more specifically a neurologist who, who treats acute strokes. Uh, but again, uh, time is brain, and you know, the sooner the better. Yeah, I, I understand the sooner is better. I just wonder if there's, uh, you know, a, a time frame like 24 hours or Twelve oh, no, hours. It, 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 or it's something. less than that. It, 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 it's within hours. For for it all depends on the the cause of the stroke and the source of the stroke. Uh, but it really is within uh, several hours uh, for uh, a, a treatment to be optimal. What are, um, are are there are there symptoms that can be observed and noticed by non practitioners? Yeah, uh, weakness uh, in one side of the body, uh, abnormal speech. Are, are you asking for for a specific for a stroke in particular? I, I was thinking that? about uh, you know a, a patient that's had a stroke, didn't present spasticity right away, but then it it starts to develop later oh, after a patient's at home. Sure, so sure. family so, members, sorry, yeah, caregivers, and so on. Yeah, so spe- that's a great question. So spasticity can certainly impair caregiving, and caregiving fatigue uh, is a very common thing that develops uh, after someone's had a stroke, and their relationship with their loved one uh, can really change in many ways. Really, one from uh, uh, you know loving partners and equals to one being a caregiver. Uh, so it can really put a strain on on on, on, on you know the well-being of, of one's relationship, uh, and spasticity certainly falls into that. Uh, so so what can a caregiver uh, look for? Um, the most one of the most common presentations of spasticity is the clasped fist. You know, it's very becomes very difficult to open someone's hand uh, and perform hygiene. Just clean the hand. It can be very painful to open the fingers. It can be very painful to put a hand splint uh, on them to try to keep the fingers open. Uh, it can be very difficult to uh, clean someone's uh, elbow crease or to clean someone's armpit. Uh, or to have someone transfer uh, from a chair to a bed due to a very tight leg or very tight knee. Uh, And it it can just become very difficult to range uh, the arm or the leg or the wrist or the elbow uh, or the shoulder. Those are are really the common presentations of spasticity. And again, I can't emphasize enough, uh, should this happen uh, to someone you're taking care of, uh, to speak to your primary care doctors, to speak to your neurologist, to, to find a physiatrist in your community who treats it, or to go on to dotakespasticity.com because there's really a lot of good resources there. You know, when uh, I was reading about this and, and I saw something about the clenched fist, and um, and the, the first thing I thought of was um, the uh, 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 former senator from uh, from Kansas and, and presidential candidate Bob Dole, uh, Bob Dole which yep. means a couple of things. <laughs> One is that was very um, widely reported about his his uh, closed fist, and I believe it was his right hand. 
and and that he carried a that. pen in it and um and and the other thing is that we talk way too much about politics on this show but <laughs> um <laughs> But what was the condition that Bob Dole had? Was that at all, might that have had something to do with this? His his closed fist was always attributed to a stroke he'd had. Yeah, I believe it was. I, mean, I, I, was, I was rather young at the time, so I don't remember exactly what the cause was. I believe it was a stroke, and uh, if it was spasticity, uh, that's certainly something that, it, that's actually a perfect example of 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 who we can try to treat so the hand doesn't curl up and get stuck like that. If we if we treat the spasticity early enough, it can keep the fingers uh, more likely to be opened uh, and easier uh, to to clean the hand and not have it be clenched up in a fist like that. Uh, because once that happens, uh, the the joints of the hands can get stuck and contracted is, is the word we use in medicine. And then at that point, uh, the treatment is usually surgical, which obviously we want to try to prevent that from happening in the first place. Is it possible um, for, in a case, and, and again, I use Bob Dole as sort of a, a visual model or example, is it possible for spasticity to attack one thing like a hand or a knee and and that's kind of all it does it becomes permanently uh, affected absolutely uh, it can affect just a few fingers uh, to the entire uh, one side of someone's body in a stroke or if someone has a condition such as cerebral palsy or spinal cord injury or multiple sclerosis it can affect all limbs all four limbs uh, and that's really why it's so important uh, to, to catch this early uh, and to find somebody who, who is an expert in treating it uh, because it really is very complex. And when we treat it, we're also taking into account someone's level of functioning as well because our job uh, as experts in this is to treat the spasticity if it's impairing someone's level of functioning. Not all spasticity has to be treated. Sometimes it can be helpful. Sometimes it can help people uh, have the strength to, to stand or to transfer. Um, but our job is to treat it if it's impairing someone's level of functioning or caregiving. And yes, if left untreated after a while, a joint can really get locked in that position, and we want to treat it before that happens. Now, this is a, a condition, as I have uh, read, that impacts between 25% and 43% of U.S. stroke patients. That seems like kind of a wide range. Why is that? Uh, it probably comes down to who the spasticity is detected in uh, and when it occurs uh, and, and if it's detected or not. Uh, and also the, the location of the stroke, uh, the type of the stroke, uh, and also the care, the post stroke care that they get as well. There's so many factors uh, determining someone's post-stroke level of functioning and whether or not they develop spasticity, uh, that it's, it's, it's really extremely uh, complex uh, and intricate. But uh, the, the point uh, is that it's, it's extremely prevalent uh, in, in post-stroke uh, patients, and uh, it's 
important to treat earlier rather than later. And my guest is an expert in uh, spasticity from Tufts in uh, Boston, and and we're talking about uh, about this subject with uh, Dr. Zachary Bohart. Um, Zach, we're almost out of time. I can't believe how fast the the time has gone. I'm always surprised. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I look at a subject like spasticity and think, what is there to talk about spasticity? But there is a lot, and and uh, I appreciate. Well, time flies when you're having fun. Well, and I appreciate you sharing your expertise with me and the listeners this morning. But I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about and about you and your work, past, present, and future. Now, you mentioned don't uh, don't take spasticity dot com, but do you have a website mm-hmm. that you'd care to share? I don't have my own personal website. I am at Tufts Medical Center in Boston uh, and also in the surrounding area as well. I'm also at University Orthopedics uh, in Rhode Island. Uh, you can go to those websites and, and find me and my smiling face. Um, I'm certainly treating lots of patients uh, within the Boston area. Well, Dr. Zachary Bohart, thank you so much, and uh, by all means, keep up the good work. Thank you, Tom. Thank you so much for the for the time. Take care. Again, uh, Dr. Zachary Bohart from uh, Boston. He is uh, a specialist in physical medicine and rehabilitation and focuses on orthopedic electrodiagnostics and comprehensive spasticity management. Uh, he created uh, an adult spasticity clinic at Tufts Medical Center in Boston where he trains the Physi, uh, physiatry, is that right? Uh, residents and has also treated uh, this patient population at rehabilitation hospitals in the Boston area. And with that, we're going to take a uh, short break and we'll be back with more of the Tom Sumner program right after this. <music>
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice. Vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis, and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage, basketball, or soccer. So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas. Not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg. Look, these days, price swings of 30 or 40 cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop Attorney Generaling! We got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. This is Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash AG. Put those away. We're at a gas station. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. My first the time. first time on. Yeah. Well, let me explain to you what we're going to do. Fine. First of all, we work this show with three cameras. Three cameras? Yes, we have three cameras. We have one in the center over here. Uh-huh. We have one on the side oh, yeah. and one over here on this side. Oh, now, all three of these cameras are immobile. They're where? They're fixed. I didn't know that. Yes, they're stationary cameras. Oh, oh, oh. They don't move. You said fixed, doesn't yeah. it? Well, they're fixed in place. I had my cat fixed. We can go there. Oh, no, no. It's, it's not the same thing at all. Oh, so, terrible Tom, we used to call it. So, so, so uh, what's important is... Oh, he was the terror of the name. Yeah. We had to have him fixed. Yeah, but I want you to pay attention. He to just me. sits in the bread box and stares at me now. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's very important that you we call him Sam Spade. All right. Now, just forget about your capture. I have to explain to you what we're going to do. Well, the important thing is just look at the camera where you see the red light. First of all, we'd like you to uh, tell us something about yourself. We know that you are a doctor. Yes, a DM. An MD. MD. An MD. <laughs> doctor, in, uh, in medicine today, it seems to me that most men are specializing. Well, what's happened an awful lot to today in medicine is that we have found that uh, in medicine that many of the people, particularly the doctors, are specializing. Yes, well, I'm certainly glad you cleared that up for us. Uh, and we were uh, talking about that old last Thursday down at the doctor place. The hospital. The hospital. The hospital. The hospital. <laughs> and, uh, and how about you, doctor? What's yours? Uh, bourbon, if you have it. No. Well, doctor, I, I mean, in, uh, in what field do you operate, sir? Well, we don't operate in the field. We have a new building. No. <laughs> Some of the older ladies complain of grass stains. <laughs> Well, are you in obstetrics? No, we're down next to the elevator. No. Doctor, I, I mean, you do have a specialty. Someone comes to see you. Your name's on the door there. Oh, yes. And uh, it's yes. your specialty. Right. I'm a surgeon. Surgeon. C-E-R-G-O-N. You're a general surgeon? Yes, I do. You uh, you do general surgery? Yes, I am. Well, which I was correct, of course, we realize you don't operate alone. No, we like to have a patient there. No. Uh, you go cutting right through the wood otherwise. No. Doctor, I, I mean that you do have a crew to assist you. Oh, if I see, I'm asking you these questions because I would imagine there must be thousands of young men around the country. Well, there must be. I can't get on a golf course. Yes, I know. But I, I meant watching our program tonight. And I'll bet you a lot of these young fellows are interested in medicine. Well, I hope so, uh, because we've got a lot of it we're trying to sell. No, no, no. They don't want to buy any medicine. We're overstocked in Oreo Mass. No, doctor. I mean, some of these young fellows watching the show tonight might have an interest in a medical career. Oh, hallelujah. Well, we certainly need them. Well, we need them down at the doctor, but it's oh, the hospital. The hospital. <laughs> I think these young fellows should realize you just don't get to be a doctor. No, sir. You've got to study. 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 Long, hard period of training. You certainly are. You have to study everything. Study is as study does. Isn't that the You truth? must read lots of pamphlets oh, and yes. hang around the drugstore. Oh, yes. Yes, uh, pharmaceuticals is a great study. It certainly can. Yeah. Yeah. Doctor, you were very high in your class. No, I get high on weekends. No, 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 doctor. You graduated magna cum laude. Magna cum laude. Right, right there. Number one in a class of over 
412. 412, yes, sir. I was class president and uh, captain of the lacrosse team. Is that so? And I was also the uh, valedictorian. Oh, valedictorian. Yes, valedictorian. In your valedictory address, Doctor, you included a motto. I certainly will. Now, I haven't heard this motto, but I understand this is the thought that you claim is responsible for having put you in this eminent position you now uh, enjoy in the medical world. Medical world is as medical world does. Well, that isn't the motto. No, 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 no. Well, I wonder if we could prevail upon you, Doctor, to pass your motto on to our television audience at this time. You know it might help some of these young fellows would like to follow in your footsteps. I'd be more than coil. Oh, you're wonderful. Thank you. I knew you were top talking. Thank you. The motto that has helped me through life and through school, and it goes, how many times have we jumped over and said to ourselves, let's go back. These are the new things, and throw out, and we go back and say, how many, and that's not enough. We must feel in our hearts that the highway of life is paved, and we must walk the white line of life and know that each of us that has ever and gone back has known that the new, don't touch me, the newness we can feel that as you lift it, lift it as you. Know not why, but why know not. These are the things that we worry. All of us, gather a whole big bunch of it and throw it against the wall sometimes. <laughs> something in there for almost everybody. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> Doctor, I want to thank you for taking some of your valuable time and spending it here with us tonight. Well, I feel that if I can bring, uh, and, and whether or not. Yes, well, I'm still working on throw it against the wall, so we'll work on that. But I, I did want to ask you one question before you left, Doctor. Uh, you're familiar with this great problem that's... Uh, uh, just covering the whole world, the population exposure. Oh, big problem, big, big problem. problem. And, and I, oh. I don't have the figures oh. readily at hand, but I understand that somewhere in the world there's a woman having a baby every couple of seconds. Yes, that's the problem. We've got to find her and stop her. Oh, all right, Doctor. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Another five-minute mystery. Our story takes place in Green's Gap, a small town in the Southern Cavern District. Green's Gap Hospital, Dr. Melville speaking. Doctor, doctor, there's been an accident out at Echo Cavern. Accident? What kind of accident? Two men were exploring and they got lost last night. One's unconscious. You better come quick before he's dead. I hope you know how to get out to Echo Cavern, Len. Well, with the job of being town constable and ambulance driver, I reckon I know all there is to know about these parts. Ever been in the cavern, then? Once, Doc Melville, when I was a boy. Nearly got my hide tanned off by my paw. Echo Cavern's a mighty treacherous place. You mean it's easy to get lost in it? Not only that, Doc. It's that cavern gas carbine, mm, something. You mean carbon dioxide? Yeah, that's it. All of a sudden, you run into some of that stuff, and before you know it, Bean, you're out. Still, people seem to be going uh, exploring in there. More fools to be. I wouldn't go into them caverns, at least till I was not without a dog. A dog? What for? Well, if a dog keels over, then you know the gas is collecting. 
I'm afraid, Mr. Gaddy, your friend is dead. Oh, poor Patsy. It wasn't from the gas, was it, Doc? That's what it looks like to me. Why'd you go into that cavern anyway? Patsy asked me to. We'd never seen a cave before. How far did you go in? Well, it didn't seem very far, but all of a sudden we lost our way. Where was that? Well, how do I know whereabouts it was if we was lost? We tried to trace our way back, but it was no use. Patsy started to get scared. It's kind of funny to see a big guy like that get scared. Yeah, he is rather big, isn't he? Yeah, six foot four. The mob used to call us Mutt and Jeff. And then what happened? Well, I was a little scared myself, but we stuck together. You know, walking in the dark with only my flash from the car. All of a sudden, Pat's keeled over. From the gas? Yeah, that's what I figured. His head hit on a rock, and I guess that just about finished him off. I suppose you reckon yourself pretty lucky, mister. Yeah, sure. I figure it's because I'm only five foot three that I got out of there alive. Gas must have been just about a foot over my head. Yeah? And what do you think about that, Doc Melville? I think you better arrest Mr. Gotti for the murder of his friend Patsy. What was the flaw in Gaddy's story? Do you know it? In a moment, we'll hear from Lem and Dr. Melville. And now, let's see whether you're as observant as Lem and the doctor. Hey, copper, let me put my hands down. They're tired. When you're in Green Gap's jail, not before. I don't get it. It was a good story. I still can't figure out how you found out. Lem tells me they used to take dogs in the cavern because the gas is heavier than air. It collects on the floor. If you really meant gas, you would have keeled over first, before your pal Patsy. Well, what do you know? I tell you, nowadays in this murder racket, you need a college education. Another five-minute mystery. This five-minute mystery featured the voices of Rhonda Groves Young, Randy Zimmerman, Sean Cantwell, and yours truly, Tom Sumner. Stay tuned to the Tom Sumner Program for future mini-mysteries. Spreading like a plague And POTUS and his lackeys Have been nothing if not vague Well then you've got to trust the CDC And listen well Unless you want to bid our free society Farewell There is a Super bad transmittable Contagious awful virus And if we don't act quick And social distance it will mire us In a stretch of quarantine That lasts until July A super bad transmittable Contagious awful virus And if you got a better cough in your arm And if you got a better <coughs> Now back in 1918 Influenza had its run But half the docks were busy Overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media And scientists to say If you don't want this virus Well then stay six feet away Super damn important that we practice isolation Cause we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation It's super damn important that we practice isolation 
If we don't do with them, we're all gonna die. If we don't do with them, we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine. The lesson to dry us, super bad, transmittable. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. <laughs> 